I'm worried about burning out is something I hear fairly often, and it's an absolutely valid concern. When we care about environmental and social justice issues, this is work of empathy and caring, and it's actually taxing on us, both emotionally and physically. So how do we tackle this very important work, this necessary work, without putting our own physical and mental health in jeopardy? It turns out there are proven tactics. But before we get into it, I want to remind you that I am on a mission to help professional women who are deeply concerned about environmental and social issues, who want to find ways to take action that lights them up so that they can create meaningful change in the world. If that sounds like you, head on over to my website. It is christinahunterflourishing.com. That's Christina with a K. And hit the Let's Chat button to set up a call with me. I would love to hear from you. Okay, let's dive in. I am Christina Hunter, and you are listening to the Live Well Green Podcast all about empowering you to create a more sustainable, equitable world. I taught environmental sustainability at the post-secondary level for 20 years, and yet I still felt that I was not doing enough. So I stepped back and began to focus on the big picture in order to find the key activities that actually make a difference and how to accomplish them without burning yourself out. Here, I guide you through the nuances of sustainable well-being so that you can lead the change that you want to see in the world. And we can truly flourish. I want to find a way to get more involved in environmental issues but I'm concerned about my energy. That's what I heard recently from a woman I was speaking to. And if that sounds familiar, well, you're not alone. There are so many of us who want to do this work, but we really have to respect our own physical and emotional needs. We don't want to burn ourselves out. We don't want to cause more health issues by overly taxing ourselves physically and emotionally. So let's first of all acknowledge that this can be emotionally charged work. When we just think about what's at stake here, yeah, it's important. And that alone can be really physically draining. So what does the research say about how to manage your energy? Well, there is that overused term called self-care, and I'm doing the air quotes here for you. But before you hit the pause button, never to return to this episode, yes, I know, there's a lot of self-care, well, BS out there. I remember being told by a counselor once to have a bubble bath after I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and I nearly lost my well, you know. So <laughs> I completely agree that bubble baths and getting your nails done fixes absolutely nothing. However, there is evidence that actions that fall in this self-care category really do help. So here's what's supported by evidence in the medical literature. Well, I've got to put it number one on my list. Sleep 
Yes, it's true. Eating good food, healthy food, exercising, spending time in nature, meditating and mindfulness. There's good evidence for it. Expressing gratitude. There's evidence for that too. Finding time to play or be in the zone, in flow state. Finding your community, having a sense of strong social connections. And finally, finding meaning in what we do all help to support our mental and physical health. So while some actions that we think of as self-care, in quotes, do not make the list. Mm, Binge watching your favorite show on Netflix, Mm, not on the list. Eating crappy food, also known as comfort food, yeah, not on the list. Um, Some of those pampering slash spa activities, also not on the list, although I should put a caveat on that. Some spas have, you know, wide ranges of ways in which we do that. And some of them are not great for the planet or for people. And others might be quite good in terms of having eco-friendly activities, Nordic spas that provide healthy food and positive body environments and are eco-friendly. But some can be very wasteful in terms of disposable items and little environmental awareness and using harmful chemicals, think nail salons, and really poor worker conditions with really highlighted social inequities. So we have some issues around pampering and spas, depending on how they're executed. But what does work well? Well, Number one has to be sleep on my list because for me, that's a really big one. It is actually essential to almost all living beings. Did you know that? Animals all sleep. Even earthworms sleep. Isn't that wild? So that's how low on the sort of evolutionary tree that sleep goes. It's so essential to almost all life. It's really essential to our physiology. If we don't sleep, we're, we will die. And basically, less sleep equals a shorter and less healthy life. Not to put too much weight on it when you're trying to get to bed. But yeah, it's really important. And it's so vital for physical and mental restoration. When you get enough good sleep, it increases your work productivity, it increases your ability to maintain a healthy weight, and lack of quality sleep increases hunger, especially for those munchy snacks, and decreases your body's signals that you're full, those chemicals ghrelin and leptin that you've probably heard about. And good sleep actually makes you more emotionally intelligent. But we've known that for ages and ages before the science weighed in on it, right? You know those sayings? It will look better after a good night's sleep. Is that something your mother told you? Or just sleep on it in order to make a better decision. It's absolutely true. Well, what does the science say in terms of what we actually need? All adults, yes, all adults require, get this, seven to nine hours per night. Does that blow your mind? Yeah, that's all adults. So how do we get there (laughs) to get to that seven to nine hours? Well, here are some techniques to improve your sleep, but I won't be able to tell you how to, you know, let the dishes sit overnight in the sink, (laughs) that kind of thing. But techniques to improve your sleep are, first of all, to stick to a sleep schedule. Just going to bed and waking up at the same time each day really helps if you're having trouble 
falling asleep, the sleep schedule is very useful. Exercise is also really good for great night's sleep, but not doing it too late in the evening. Make sure it's at least two to three hours before bedtime that you're finished your exercise, if possible. Avoiding caffeine and nicotine. Lots of sleep researchers say to, if you do take in caffeine, stop doing so after about 12 noon. And then here's a surprising one to avoid alcohol before bed. While alcohol is a sedative and might help you fall asleep, it actually impairs REM sleep and it decreases the quality of sleep that you've had. And you might have experienced that yourself, feeling groggier the morning after having alcohol before bed. And then avoiding large meals at night. We know they can impair our sleep. Avoiding medication that impairs sleep, if possible. Naps are fine as long as we don't do them too late in the day after 3 p.m. or so and keep them short. 20, 25 minutes is a great length for a nap. Relaxing before bed, doing what toddlers are supposed to do, kind of wind down. Having a hot bath before bed. Actually, there's really cool evidence around that. Hot bath, hot shower, hot tub before bed helps you to relax but it also helps your core body temperature to decrease. And it doesn't have to decrease by much, only a fraction of a degree. But by being warm all around you, it tells your core to send out cooling messages and that helps you sleep, right? We also know a dark bedroom, cool and free of distractions and technology, avoiding looking at clocks if you're having a hard time falling asleep or being up in the night is useful. Other things you can do is just to get out in natural sunlight, especially in the morning, and turn down the lights before bedtime, especially the blue lights and screens 60 to 90 minutes before you want to go to bed. And then if you're like me and have sometimes a hard time falling asleep, try not to lay in bed for more than about 20 minutes at a time. You don't want to look at your clock, but if you know it's about 20 minutes, then you want to get up, do something relaxing, and then head back to bed when you're sleepy again. But it's basically getting enough sleep is the number one way to fix your mood and your ability to cope, to avoid that burnout. So it's really essential that we talk about it when we talk about wellness. The other big one that I want to talk about is food. And sometimes we understand that we should eat well for the planet. We want to eat less animal products in general, less red meat for sure, less meat and less dairy is extremely good for reducing our climate impacts and our overall impacts on the planet with the food that we eat. But it's also good for our bodies. So there's a lot of overlap in terms of what's good for the planet to what's good for our bodies and our own health and wellness to feel energized and like we can cope and tackle the situations before us. So just eating Whole foods, unprocessed foods is really vital. Avoiding those highly processed foods, those snacks and things like that. Eating local, fresh and in season. I have an episode all about why cooking dinner is an act of sustainability. You can head back to episode 12 for that one. But really avoiding processed foods is one of the essentials there. And then eating lower on the food chain. Both of those are really, really good for our bodies and for the planet. 
And then, of course, we can think about eating in moderation. It feels good. And enjoy your food with friends and family. That's so vital is to enjoy the food you are eating. Make sure it's tasty and nutritious and feels good. And then when we support local, organic, small-scale producers that can feel really good, you know, psychologically for us, and it's good for our body, we can also work to grow our own food, which is really emotionally beneficial to us. There are lots of benefits to all of these actions, including reducing our carbon footprint, increased animal welfare, increased food security in general, increased equality, and improved soil health when we look at taking these actions. And then... It's just good for our bodies, and that helps us cope better with the stresses that we have in our day-to-day lives. Now, the other thing I want to dive into around preventing burnout, letting us manage our energy while we do this work so that we can tackle it with all the vigor that we have is to actually exercise. And I know you've probably felt it yourself too. You're, you feel too tired to exercise, you know, after a long day or at the end of the week, whenever it is. And you're like, oh, I'm so tired, but I'm going to make myself go out and do something. And then you feel so much better afterwards, right? Have you had that feeling? Well, I sure have. So we know it feels good, right? We know exercise releases endorphins and it actually technically does increase your energy, which is kind of weird to think about, but it does. So if we just get ourselves to do something, a little something, it can be very helpful. I've recently gotten into some little 10 minute high impact, low impact workouts And just doing 10 minutes of something is better than nothing. So let yourself feel good about that because any exercise that you do helps to increase your energy, reduce illness and disease, and improves your mental health. It improves your cognitive ability. And if we do it in nature, it can help us connect with nature and can even provide us with community if you're part of a running group or an an exercise class, or maybe you go to a yoga studio or whatever it is, it can really be helpful for us and also can just feel empowering, right? I know when I made a good play at Ultimate Frisbee, if I've caught the disc and or, uh, or thrown a point or caught a point, it feels good. We feel empowered. And that can translate into other areas of our lives where we want to take action around environment, around environmental change and social justice. So how do we get started? with exercise. It can be kind of hard when you've lost that pattern or, you know, that initial habit that you had. So why don't we just look at what we're already doing? Can we do it more often or more regularly? That can be really helpful and certainly not focusing on the outcome, right? I don't focus on winning the game. I focus on playing well and focus more on the process and just moving for the joy of moving. I have a little article that might help you with that. And I'll put the link in the show notes about that. It can also be useful to find community because you're not going to let your friend down if you're supposed to go for an early morning run together. And you're not going to let your teammates down if you have a team sport that you're playing. But finding ways to do it with others can be helpful as well. And just starting very small and being really consistent with it. So work more on consistency than on how big the workout is. Because when we challenge ourselves to do something really big right off the bat, it might not be something that we can sustain over the longer term. So be consistent. Take a class in order to make sure you're doing things right. Maybe that would be helpful. 
I always think about playing and trying to do it in a way that allows me to keep playing, right? That's what I'm looking for right now. And I just want it to be fun. I want to have a good time with whatever I'm doing. So I only want to sign up for things that I enjoy. So find ways to get active. And if you can do it in the outdoors, that really also increases the benefits. Look at that episode 28, how to get active in nature in under an hour. I've got a whole episode with ideas of how to do that in, you know, relatively easily. If you've just got an hour over lunch, maybe you can probably do something active outdoors. So that's really, those are the most important things about finding ways to care for yourself in ways that we're doing self-care aligned with what really is self-care, right? With things that are supported by the evidence. So time in nature. In addition to that, we have meditation and mindfulness. There's good evidence around that. And we don't have to be big gurus meditating every day. If you find meditation difficult, there are tons of apps that can help you out. Try those or just try a little tiny action and integrate it into your day. If you regularly get a cup of tea after lunch, you know, at work, maybe that can be just a moment of mindfulness, enjoying sipping your tea, inhaling it, smelling it, and enjoying it at your desk. And you can just meditate on the tea. Just being present is really what mindfulness is about. So it's not hard to do, but it's sometimes hard to remember to do it. And one of the best ways to turn it into a daily activity is to just put it in your regular routine, attach it to something that you're already doing. And this can be very, very useful. The other thing that's shown to help is gratitude. So you can start a gratitude journal, it's fairly easy, or just take a certain moment during the day to express gratitude. Think through it in your mind, I'm really grateful for, and be as specific as possible. And if you want to amp that up, you can even think about how you have contributed to this thing that you're grateful for. So I'm grateful for my relationship with my mother and I contributed to that by, you know, whatever that is. So we can think along those lines. The other things that help us is to find time to play, to be in that flow state where you're doing something, even if it's challenging, but you're really having fun with it, enjoying it, and time sort of slips away. That's kind of what we're looking for there. And we can do anything around movement that can be play-oriented, just playing with kids, or playing a board game, or playing with your dog for five minutes, or even just riding your bike with a really playful approach or attitude to it. Or maybe it's something, a hobby that you do where it's doing a craft or um, doing something tactile, knitting or spinning wool or whatever it might be. That can be really useful. The other things that are useful are in terms of helping our mental and physical health and that our self-care supported by evidence include finding our community and having good social connections. Even if they're not like your best friend, we still like to have connections with people around us. So that's finding like-minded individuals that we can connect with. And then finally, finding meaning. It's perhaps a more important factor than any other way that we look for in terms of finding happiness is finding meaning. It can be more significant than any other factor in terms of finding happiness is actually doing things that we find meaning in. So that's a really important consideration for 
when you're worried about not having the energy to do the work, actually doing the work can make you feel more energized and happier in the end. So that's really a consideration when we think about tackling environmental issues and issues of social justice and change in the world. So those are all useful bits of data, right? We know now what is self-care and how to find more energy in doing this work. It's useful to know it, but what we really need now is a plan. So I really advocate people putting together their own self-care kit. I mean, you know what works for you, right? In this list, what's going to be most necessary. And um, But think about the things that really tend to be your your key tipping points, right? The things that make a difference for you. For me, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, mm, sleep is usually the first thing to go. And it's also the thing that lets everything else fall into place when I sleep better. So that's the one thing I like to tackle. I call it, you know, it's my first domino, right? It's the first domino to fall when things are falling apart, but it's also the first domino when things are coming together. So if I work on my sleep, I know that everything else gets better. So for you, what is that one thing, that first domino that will really support your own health and wellness in ensuring you have the energy in order to tackle the things that you want to tackle? So I really encourage you to think about that and think about each day possible, I will do this one thing to support my well-being. And put it into a plan, make it really specific. So for me, that is each day possible, I will start my bedtime wind down routine at 9pm. So that's my one thing. And it's a very specific plan to support my health and well being. And then you can add other things to that. But just start with one thing and make sure it's the one thing that you really know is kind of key to your overall health and well being and having the energy that you need. So I know it's I don't want to add one more thing to you, but really it pays dividends. And I think it's important for us to consider that self-care is actually part of doing this work. It's part of doing environmental and social justice work. It can feel indulgent. It can feel sometimes less important than the really vitally important things we have to do. And especially when we have this power through culture, toughness or commitment, you remember pulling all-nighters when we were in university, it seemed acceptable back then, but really it is just a very unhealthy behavior. And we can't keep doing unhealthy behaviors and expect ourselves to be able to keep on keeping on. So not putting our own physical and mental health into the work is just not respecting ourselves and not respecting the work that we ultimately need to do. So I really want you to think about that, that self-care is part of the work, okay? Real self-care that's supported by evidence. So that means it's not binge watching a show or eating crap food or doing things that aren't good for the planet or people. There is strong evidence that certain things do work, sleeping seven to nine hours, eating whole food that's minimally processed, mostly plant-based, exercise as much as is right for you, and do it outdoors if possible. Spend time in nature. Exercise in nature. If you can, head over to episode 28, 
to find out how to get active in nature in under an hour. Look at meditation, maybe an app, or just practice simple mindfulness associated with one part of your day. Find ways to express gratitude every day or every couple of days. Play. Find time to be in the flow, doing something you really enjoy. Make sure that you're supporting yourself in having a community around you of like-minded individuals. And really work to do activities that you find meaning in. And remember, as beings of this planet, we deserve to also be cared for. This is actually an essential part of doing environmental and social justice work. All right. Before I leave you, let me bring you a quote from the fabulous Audre Lorde, who was a queer, black feminist, activist, and breast cancer survivor. And she said, caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. Thank you, Audre Lorde. That's all for now. If you are interested in exploring these issues further, please head on over to my website. It is christinahunterflourishing.com. That's Christina with a K. Hit the Let's Chat button if you are a professional woman and are deeply concerned about climate change and the state of the world that we are leaving to future generations and want some guidance on the best steps to take. I would love to connect with you. While you are there, sign up for the Flourishing Fridays newsletter. It's your weekly guide to sustainable well-being and effective environmental action. I can't wait to talk to you again. Until then, live well green, my flourishing friends. Bye for now. <laughs>